Enough about you, let's talk about me, Johnny Bravo. Huh? What do you think? Aren't I having a good hair day? Be brutal, mama. We're talking about the old man and the spawn of his loins just happens to call. Makes you want to laugh, doesn't it, Archie? <laughs> I poop my pants. Hey, 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 everybody, and welcome to Friggin' Sweet Cartoons, a not-so-weekly look back at awesome, awesome cartoons from the past. I am your host, Ian, and today we have two selections of cartoon greatness that I think are, you are going to love. Uh, our first is Johnny Bravo. It was created by Van Partable, and it aired from July 1997 to August 2004. For a fantastic seven years. It went on for four seasons, 65 episodes, which breaks down to 178 individual segments. It was written by Van Partable, but it also had uh, Butch Hartman write for it. It also had Steve Marmel write for it. It also had uh, Seth MacFarlane write for it. It had Craig Bartlett write for it. And uh, if you don't know who all those people are, I'll let you know. Van Partible created Johnny Bravo and went on to create other uh, great cartoons. Butch Hartman, if you don't know him, you should. He created Fairly Odd Parents. He created Tough Puppy. He created Danny Phantom. He created tons of Nickelodeon shows. He is the Nickelodeon Seth MacFarlane. Uh, Steve Marmel is a fantastic uh, writer. And Chris Craig Bartlett, he wrote Hey Arnold. He's the creator of Hey Arnold, and he is fantastic. I just watched... The first and second seasons of Hey Arnold, and those, my friends, are freaking sweet. And Seth MacFarlane, obviously, uh, is freaking sweet and wrote for Johnny Bravo. He, in fact, wrote the uh, teleplay for one of the episodes that we're talking about today. Uh, the show starred Jeff Bennett as Johnny Bravo. He also played Dexter's dad from Dexter's Lab. He played Petrie in The Land Before Time. He played Man with a Yellow Hat in the Curious George series. He plays Kowalski on the Penguins of Madagascar. And he plays characters from the Mighty Fucking Ducks cartoon. Another freaking sweet cartoon that I guarantee you we will be talking about. Uh, I had more than one VHS tapes about the Mighty Fucking Ducks. That show fucking rules. Um, it also starred Brenda Vaccaro as Bunny Bravo. She's an old school actress and um, a wonderful lady. And she's done tons of stuff. Too many things for me to name. Uh, but look her up. She's absolutely worth a uh, look. It also has Mae Whitman, uh, who plays little Susie, a little girl who runs around and annoys Johnny. Uh, and she's done a shit ton of work as well. It also stars Larry Drake as Pops. He's uh, L from L.A. Law and Darkman and Darkman 2 fame. And it stars a little-known voice actor. Uh, maybe you've heard of him. Uh, Tom Kenny. Uh, he plays Carl. And seriously, uh, everyone else. Uh, SpongeBob included. He also is one of my favorite uh, YouTube um clips where he teaches you how to do the spongebob laugh all you have to do is uh take your hand and then just make a um 
like a bah noise and then just run your run your um hand up and down your throat like bah it's 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 um it's it's really really funny i love tom kenny um he's one of my favorite voice actors and for some reason he's constantly being uh he's constantly being um hoax saying that he's dead and it's super weird um as far as johnny bravo goes however uh there were a couple of production companies involved with the show Hanna-Barbera ran the show from 97 to 2002, and Cartoon Network Studios picked up the show from 2002 to 2004. This was Van Partible's college thesis, like the way Larry and Steve was um, Seth MacFarlane's college thesis, and that led to Family Guy. This is the culmination of Van Partible's college thesis, and the first air short, or the first short, sorry, the first short aired um, as on Cartoon Network as part of a uh, block of new cartoons. Uh, it aired in March of 1995, and I was a huge. I mean, I was okay. I was born in 1991. By the time this show came out in 1997, for real, um, I was six years old. I was hooked on cartoons uh, from the moment I laid my eyes on them. I love, love, love cartoons. It's the, one of the best mediums uh, of all time. It's just, just pure joy. And um, Johnny Bravo, Ed, Ed, Nettie, Courage the Cow. I was hooked on Cartoon Network. Seriously, if if I wasn't watching like specific stuff like wrestling and other stuff on other channels, I was watching Cartoon Network. I loved Cartoon Network, and I specifically loved the cartoon, cartoon, cartoons, uh, include Powerpuff Girls, dude, Powerpuff Girls is fantastic, it's hilarious, and it's good, and, um, just, just the whole run of cartoon, cartoons is, is amazing, any one of them could have been the first freaking sweet cartoon that we talked about, but I went with Johnny Bravo because, it has Seth MacFarlane as a writer, and that seemed appropriate. Um, but like I said, any one of those uh, cartoons could have been a a contender for being the very first cartoon that we talked about. Um, but when we come back, we will talk about the cartoon we picked, and that is Johnny Bravo. One, two, three, yeah! Wait a Hey everybody, I just wanted to take a quick second to talk to you guys about uh, some other cartoons that we're going to be discussing. I know that I just got done talking about uh, all the cartoon cartoons and on Cartoon Network, but that that don't let that dissuade you. I watch Nickelodeon as well, and some Disney Channel, and, and some Kids WB, because... Boy, did I love Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh! And uh, all the other kids' channels on like the like the Fox uh, box or the Fox blocks or whatever they were calling it at the time. Um, um, so I just wanted to talk to you guys real quick about some other freaking sweet cartoons not on the Cartoon Network, such as Butch Hartman's Fairly Odd Parents or Danny Fucking Phantom, The Wild Thornberries, uh, Chalk Zone. Um, so many cartoons on Nick- pretty much anything on Nickelodeon. Um, uh, oh yeah, Real Monsters, dude, that show fucking rules. 
uh, Doug, dun, 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 dun. um, then you go to, you got recess, you got, uh, uh, Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon, take your pick, Tom and Jerry, Looney Tunes, I'll go, I'll go cartoon for cartoon with you, I love cartoons, and I am, like I said, going to be working more freaking sweet cartoons into our lineup on our regular episodes, so please be on the lookout for that, it's gonna be so, so much fun, and now we'll get you back to your regular episode. Welcome back from talking to me, and we start this episode of freaking sweet cartoons by breaking down Johnny Bravo's basically pilot episode. It starts as so many Johnny Bravo episodes do with an English person talking as if Johnny is hitting on chicks in the wild, and this time Johnny's hitting on chicks at the zoo. Uh, highlights include him meeting a proto little Susie. Him getting tased by a woman he hits on, uh, and him wrestling an alligator. Uh, after that, he runs into a uh, zookeeper, a female zookeeper, who he finds very attractive, um, running around trying to find a escaped gorilla, uh, a, a purple gorilla, uh, by the way, and Johnny convinces her that he is the man to catch this gorilla. Say, uh, what's the matter, little mama? Our prize gorilla has escaped from its cage. Really? Really. Enough about you. Let's talk about me, Johnny Bravo. Huh? What do you think? Aren't I having a good hair day? Be brutal, mama. Excuse me? Why don't we grab ourselves a couple of thick, juicy steaks? I know of a place down the road. I don't think you understand. What, are you a vegetarian? Um... As as we move into the gorilla section of the episode, the gorilla is super funny. He's uh, he's he's singing songs like "Won't you come home, Bill Bailey?" And uh, he's doing his hair. He's tricking Johnny. He's like, "Oh, I don't know. I think he went that way." And Johnny's like, "Have you seen a gorilla around here?" Johnny uh, ends up finding the gorilla, beating up a robber who tried to mug this fucking gorilla uh, and uh, got his fucking ass kicked. And Johnny mistakes the um, mugger as the gorilla, but the female zookeeper comes up, identifies the purple gorilla as the gorilla, grabs him by his hand, and leads him gently back to his cage, leaving Johnny to um, cradle the robber in his hands as the robber is uh, is asleep. Or just, I think he says something really weird. He's like, uh, hold me. And uh, after that, we move on to... Not all of these episodes are from the same episode. We're, we're going to go really quickly through about six different segments of, of Johnny Bravo. And they're from three different episodes, and they're not all from the same episode. Um, this, the next one we're talking about is Johnny Bravo and the Amazon women. Uh, Johnny Bravo... He's out whale hunting, or whale watching, not whale hunting, Jesus Christ. He's out whale watching, and uh, he goes overboard after hitting on a woman and getting punched overboard. He lands on an island where he meets an, an Amazon who uh, he only comes up to about mid-thigh on, and that's super awesome for him. I think Johnny Bravo was way into giantess porn back in the day. Uh, she calls over an elephant who is basically... Uh, it's Squiggy from, uh, fuck, what show is Squiggy from? He's some, from some fun, fucking Happy Days show or something, I think. But it's Squiggy. If you know who Squiggy is, you'll, you'll get it. You probably don't, though. Well, maybe. But, um, 
the elephant spends a lot of time trying to keep Johnny Bravo from the village of beautiful women. And uh, that doesn't go well because Johnny Bravo, once he finds out there's a village of beautiful women, will be hard pressed to be kept away from there. See this? Make sure this doesn't follow me back to the village of beautiful women. Village of beautiful women? Yes, ma'am. I don't even want him anywhere near the village of beautiful women. Village of beautiful women? Yes, ma'am. Did she say village of beautiful women? Maybe. As in more than one beautiful woman? I don't know. What do you mean? What do you mean? Mister! This is getting really old really fast. <laughs> I've already wasted enough time, so if you don't mind, I've got me some mountains to climb. Uh, it's really funny. He ends up getting to the village, and once there, they all surround him, and he they're like, well, we gotta take care of him, so like, let's do a virgin sacrifice. They take him to the top of a volcano, and they're like, let's sacrifice the virgin. And he like, looks at the camera and raises an eyebrow. He's like, virgin and they're like they're like yeah and they keep talking about it and he just keeps going virgin like i'm not a virgin but I, I guess that implies that johnny isn't a virgin but um <laughs> he they poke him he goes in he goes flying with fire on his ass he's like Rah! and he ends up on another island and on this island there's a village of beautiful men and in my opinion both are good and uh our next episode i don't have a clip for but i just i have to talk with it it's probably my favorite fucking segment for uh johnny bravo it is date with an antelope johnny is online dating and he makes a date with a girl he's super super psyched about it he goes to answer the door and she is a what an antelope can you believe it and her name is carol and she tries to use the phone she hands him her purse and she can't use the phone because she's a fucking antelope and so she's like could you hand me my purse and he goes to hand it to her and it just kind of falls over and she's like that's like he's like i'll i'll pay and she's like oh you're so sweet um on their way out he says something and she starts just bawling she's like you know and he's like well yeah you're an antelope and he's he's like he makes her feel better and she's like oh you're sweet and then she fucking drives um and she's not very good at it she's destroying everything they go to a carnival where um they're everything goes wrong they're they're on a merry-go-round and she's a big heavy antelope and she sends johnny flying they go to a restaurant and as it turns out, she tells the truth. Oh, actually, what's funny is before they get to the table, she's like, I know the Mater D. And she's like, oh, my God, you worked with my dad. He's like, oh, my God, Carol, how are you? Gets him a table. And then she, she, she starts crying. And she's like, I'm so sorry. I'm using you to make my boyfriend jealous. And then the boyfriend turns out to be the king crab that he ordered and they get into a huge fight it's hilarious they get arrested and it's the best fucking cartoon ever um our next cartoon after that is cookie crisis this one stars a little Susie. she um is is the little girl who is always around johnny and annoying him and in this episode she is selling girl scout cookies and it's a green eggs and ham style rhyming episode. The whole thing rhymes. Okay, Johnny, what do you say? Will you buy some cookies today? That's it, kid. I've had enough. I'm really sick of all this stuff. 
I don't want cookies, can't you see? Now get your stuff away from me! I will not buy them, not one buck. I will not eat them with a fox. I will not buy a peanut swirl. I will not buy it, little girl. I will not eat them on a boat with a goat or in a coat. You drive me nuts, it's really true. I've really had enough of you. You've got until the count of three to go away and let me be! Times. It's super duper awesome. Um, and it's all, it's hilarious. Johnny at the end, um, ends up yelling at her, uh, because he is mad that she won't leave him alone, and she ends up crying, and he relents and buys, he wants two boxes of cookies, and she's like, two plus two times two, plus two million and two, you get two million boxes, and he turns around to the camera and says, got milk. Uh, our second to last episode is The Sensitive Male. This is the episode that was written by Seth MacFarlane, and you can tell because Seth MacFarlane absolutely loves Schoolhouse Rock. It is a huge influence on him. You can tell that just by the early episodes, by the animation, some of the music, and it's no fucking wonder Seth put uh, so much music and the Schoolhouse Rock guy in his episode. Uh, but basically, we know how this starts. It's, it's Johnny hitting on girls at the park, and... <laughs> Um, the guy comes in, he's like, hey, you need to be more sensitive, you need to have a feminine side, he teaches Johnny, uh, you know, how to fuck around with words, and, uh, and, um, he's like, you gotta be observant, you have to make sure you look at all, you know, make sure that you know what you're talking about when you're talking to a girl, and have manners, and respect, and things like that, and, <laughs> And the whole episode seemingly is really, really nice. And Johnny is learning from this person who's doing all the stuff. And then at the very end, the guy's like, and if you can't learn to do that, just fake it. And uh, Johnny helps a bunch of girls that that guy had gotten the numbers of into beating the living crap out of him. And that's really, really funny. Um, and uh, we have a clip of one of the music uh, parts because, of course, we do. Sensitivity, sensitivity, show that girl you really give a deep. Show her your mind is occupied with more than the pictures in the TV guide. Show her you've got a bit of bona fide sensitivity. Sensitivity, sensitivity, sensitivity. Uh, obviously, I love all the music that Seth puts into, into his episodes. And uh, this was no different. I love me some schoolhouse rock. And this was absolutely hilarious. Our last episode is also really, really, really funny. And is, is um, a crossover episode with Johnny Bravo and one of my other favorite cartoons, Scooby-Doo. The episode is called Bravo Dooby-Doo. And it is a straight-up crossover with tons of meta jokes. Uh, he's questioning jinkies. Uh, Velma's super, super into him, and it's really, really funny. It's funny how they end up meeting. Uh, we have a clip of that, and it's really funny how he's like, I'm trying to get somewhere. It's in a spooky house. Oh, shit, yeah, spooky house. My car just broke down, and I was wondering if you guys could give me a lift. I'm on my way to visit my Aunt Jibadiza, and I'd sure hate to be late. She lives in this spooky house up on Widow's Peak. Spooky house? Jinkies! Jinkies? Hey, gang, what do you say we give this guy a lift? Jinkies? 
Hop in, stranger. Uh, in the end, uh, there's a spooky gardener who's trying to get them all to leave. It's really quick, so it's not like a full Scooby-Doo. Um, they, it's so classic, though. They manage to split up. Uh, there's a part where, like, uh, they split up and Fred had, uh, split everyone up with him going with, like, someone else. And Daphne's like, uh, Fred, and he's like, oh, right, 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 me and Daphne go that way. And uh, that's a that was one of my favorite meta jokes. They managed to get one of those sweet chase scenes in with a really dope '60s song, and the gang and Johnny managed to catch the ghost. And it turns out to be no, not Old Man Winters, no, not Claudia Schiffer, no, not Don Knotts. It's his aunt. It was his aunt the whole time, guys. Can you believe it? She was just trying to get Johnny to go the fuck away because she hates Johnny, and. Uh, the gang feels bad about bringing Johnny there to, to fuck with her. And so they dump him on the side of the road in time to a tree. And uh, he's like, well, that fucking sucks. And then Speed Buggy, another really great cartoon from back in the day, comes up. He's like, hop in, pal. And it's super, super, super funny. Like I said, I remember when this show came on and I was smack dab perfect for the cartoon cartoon lineup. It got me hook, line, and sinker, but it's no mistake that I and a million other kids fell in love with these cartoons. It's because they were made by some of the most up-and-coming best minds of the time. Two of the biggest were Butch, Har were Butch Hardman, who I've said it before, um, but who has just as many shows to his name as Seth MacFarlane. And Johnny Bravo was a show that on the surface is about a man harassing women. And admittedly it is that, but it's also a show, uh, that shows female. They don't even like even fall for it a little bit. Every woman he runs into is just like, no, 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 no. They're not, they're not portrayed as being stupid. They all are really strong women who, when he pushes the boundary even a little bit too much, beat the living shit out of him. And that's cartoon violence. Um, but it's maybe good cartoon violence. And Johnny is a tough guy. I think he can take it. Uh, in one of the episodes, he was squished by a gorilla and a sumo wrestler in the same episode, within about two minutes of each other. So, you know. But it also consistently demonstrates that Johnny's method of wooing is wrong. Um, and they even go a step further and say it's not just enough to fake sincerity with Johnny calling the schoolhouse rock guy a jerk at the end when he tells him that, well, if you can't do all that good stuff, just fake it. And it, it also, it's just chock full of pop culture references at the time and one-off jokes. And out of all the episodes I've watched, I think one of my favorites is Bravo Dooby Doo because I love 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 scooby-doo day with an antelope is hilarious carol the antelope is one of my favorite fucking characters she's just so erratic um johnny bravo is a cartoon that is uh it kind of transcends time even though it kind of time stamps itself but it's i think it's 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 absolutely a freaking sweet cartoon <laughs> All right, welcome back, and our next entry into the freaking sweet pantheon is Batman, The Mask of the Phantasm. This movie is absolutely awesome, and I love Batman so fucking much, and this movie is probably one of the best 
if not the best Batman animated movie there is, and there's quite a bit of those that are that that could be right up there. This specific one, however, debuted on Christmas Day, 1993, and it was directed by Aaron Radomski and Bruce Tim. It was written by Alan Burnett with help from Paul Dini, Martin Pasco, and Michael Reeves. And it starred Kevin Conroy, obviously, as Batman, who does a fantastic job in this movie. Like, a really, really good job. Another person who obvious, who always brings his A-game to his character in the Batman universe is Mark Hamill, who reprises his role as the Joker in this. You have Don Delaney, or uh, sorry, Donna Delaney, playing Andrea, who is love interest in this and uh, has a dark secret. Uh, it also has um, Hart Botcher as Arthur Reeves, a, um, a, a an opponent in love uh, for Andrea's affection for Bruce. It also has a Vigoda playing Salvatore Velestra, a uh, mob boss in uh, the Batman universe. It is the first feature under the Warner Brothers animation banner, and it is based on the year Batman Year 2 uh, comic book series, um, though the Reaper in that is replaced with the Phantasm, and some of the elements are lifted from Year 1. Um, but that's 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 what it's it's based on. And this was supposed to be uh, or the original idea for when they wanted to do a Batman movie for this, they wanted to do a, or the, the writer wanted to do a trial. Um, and like, uh, if you've watched the Batman animated series, which if you haven't, I absolutely recommend it. It's one of the best cartoons that, ever, that was ever made. Um, stylistically and voice acting and just writing overall, just one of the best, best cartoons of all fucking time. Um, if you've seen that show, I'm sure you've seen the trial episode, uh, where Batman is captured and put on trial by all of the rogues gallery who are trying to prove that he's the reason that they do all the things that they do. So he's guilty by association. And in the end, even the rogues gallery, uh, could not find Batman guilty. Um, I think we can all find something to think about in that in today's climate moving on. Uh, that was what was supposed to be the movie, but Warner Brothers Studios was like, that doesn't, that sounds really boring for a movie. And so it got moved into an episode and this became the movie. And I think that that's okay. That episode is fantastic. It's one of the best, uh, talked about episodes and this movie is fantastic. I'm really glad, uh, that this was made because I had this on VHS tape. This is one of my, uh, first Batman things I had. It, it came out in 1993. I was um, just a little over two years old. And I had this, like, I know I got this like really early cause one of my cousins got it and it just kind of found its way to, to my house. I guess I maybe didn't like Batman or something, but I've watched this my entire life and it's one of the greatest Batman stories to ever be told. And, uh, we're going to get into it, uh, right after this. Hey guys, I just wanted to take a quick second to tell you guys about other animated Batman movies that are definitely worth your time and are definitely freaking sweet. Uh, there's Batman The Killing Joke, um, where um, Batman loses his uh, sidekick, Robin, and it's, it's really dramatic. You also have 
uh, Batman Hush, where a long estranged friend of Bruce Wayne becomes a psychopath bent on taking over Bruce's life. You also have um, Batman The Dark Knight Returns, which is a gritty uh, Batman movie, which is what Batman vs. Superman the movie is based on, where Batman comes back because he thinks he needs to kill Superman. It's really, really good. And I've read the comic that, that it's based on, and it's it's at, and the and obviously the animated movie. Uh, it's definitely worth your guys' time. So, like I said, I just want to take a quick second, throw you, throw, throw some more stuff at you, some more Batman at you, uh, if you wanted to do some some watching at home. So, we'll get back to the show. Again, welcome back from me, everybody. Uh, this movie starts with Batman breaking up a money laundering scheme. And one of the bosses gets away and is chased down by a mysterious phantasm who tricks the guy and is, and is, um, uh, fucking kill the fucking kills the guy. Uh, Batman is blamed and, uh, he takes some evidence from the scene. Um, Batman back at the Batcave, uh, checks out one of the characters, um, Arthur Reeves, uh, railing against Batman and Batman's doing his bat computer stuff. And then we see a woman coming in on a plane, uh, from somewhere and she knows the city councilman, Arthur Reeves, that who was just talking about Batman. And, uh, he's worried that she might be wanting to look up some old friends. And she's like, <laughs> he's, he's, he's in the past. And she puts down a picture of Bruce. We find Bruce knee deep in scooch uh, at a party <laughs> and, um, he's interrupted by the councilman and they don't like each other, but I'm going to take a second to go back to Bruce being knee deep in scooch. Cause I find that funny. Oh, come on, Bruce, all alone in this big mansion. Haven't you ever thought about marriage even once? Oh, never say the M word in front of Bruce. It makes him nervous. What about the I word? The I word? engagement i'd watch out for brucey if i were you girls first he wines and dines you makes you think you're the only woman he's ever been interested in and just when you're wondering where to register the china he forgets your phone number <gasps> bruce uh does a memory that happens uh a couple of times in this episode there's like four or five flashbacks Bruce remembers going to a grave, he's talking to his parents, he hears someone else talking to another grave, which is weird for someone to judge someone else doing that, who is then talking to a grave. He meets Andrea, and they flirt, and uh, they're like, alright, bye. And uh, then we see Bruce, later on that night, doing his first crime-fighting gig. Uh, he's stopping, I guess, like a, a robbery or whatever, and he totally pulls a Batman, kicks all their asses, rides on a fucking car as like the cops are chasing and he manages to like throw these ninja things into a under the tires and they pop and he's uh he's just dressed like a robber he's got like a balaclava over his face and he's just dressed like another just random robber or whatever um but he totally pulls a fucking batman and it's awesome uh then in the in the um in the flashback we're still in the flashback uh, Bruce and Andrea, Andrea comes and finds him. She's like, you didn't call me. And he's like, you didn't give me your number. And she's like, you could have looked me up. And I'm like, all right, it was the nineties. Everyone was in the book. That's what they, 
said back in the day. But they, they're like hanging out. They play fight. And there's more flirting. And then they totally kiss. Ah. Got from that to a gangster being chased through a cemetery. He was placing some uh, flowers on the grave of the gangster who was killed earlier. He's chased through the cemetery and murdered by the phantasm. And uh, then we see an old man, an old, old mobster getting into a car and he's freaking the fuck out. And he just wants the police to try to catch Batman or to try to catch the phantasm. But later on, we see Batman doing his work and then police barely, barely miss trying to catch Batman. Uh, They're like, they're like trying to throw up the bat signal and we see him off to the side and they're like missing him. He's like, you fuckers. And uh, <laughs> uh, Bruce uh, goes to another flashback to him and Andrea. I keep saying Andrea, Andrea and Andrea. Uh, I know people with all three names and it's fucking hard to keep it straight. Uh, a, he takes them to like a theme park and they go to like a World of Tomorrow type ride. Um, it, it comes back later. This is a second flashback. It comes back later, the World of Tomorrow ride. That's why I bring it up. Uh, they're being super cute. Uh, she's like, I didn't, I didn't think you'd want to meet my dad. He's like, I totally want to meet your dad. And she's like, oh my God, I'm going to call him from the car phone. And there's a car phone. <laughs> that was funny as hell. And then Bruce, uh, meets Andrew's dad. He's cool. There's some, there's a pol- the politician guys there that are the Reese dude. And then uh, the dad really loves Bruce, is kind of like short with the politician dude. Uh, and they're both vying. And the politician obviously has eyes for uh, Andrea. And um, then some gangsters come around and, and the kids get on out of there and the gangsters shake her dad down for some money. And um, Bruce does a sweet motorcycle fight where he totally pulls a fucking Batman. These guys are hassling just some guy and they all have motorcycles and weapons. And he just like run like, like the really dramatic part is when the guy is like racing at Bruce and Bruce is running at him. And then he does this fucking sweet jumping flying kick to his face right off the motorcycle. It's fucking awesome. Uh, and he's so fucking mad and he, uh, and he, he doesn't, he didn't win. He's so fucking mad that the guys were going to kick his ass. There's like 20 of them. And, um, Bruce is super mad about it. And he blows off Andrea and he goes to the grave to yell at his parents because he didn't expect to be happy. Uh, Andrea shows up and they hug and that ends the flashback. The old man gangster is shown again he is speaking with the councilman, Reeves, uh, who's been with Andrea and Andrea's father. And so he's revealed to be a bad guy, which was kind of, uh, kind of saw that coming. And then Batman figures out that there's a possible third victim um, of the phantasm because he sees the connection that's going on. And he starts poking around the third victim's house. Uh, he finds a uh, picture with all of the, the, with her father and all of the gangsters sitting around, and he goes into a memory. Uh, in our third flashback, Bruce proposes, um, and it it goes really well. She's really into the proposal, 
And the next day we see her going home and there's some bad guys at her dad's house. And Bruce is left the next day with a note and the ring inside. And she is gone and he is left hurt. Uh, and that is when he puts on the costume for the first time. And it's it's he puts it on and then he turns around and Alfred sees him for the first time. And he's like, oh! And it's supposed to symbolize like, oh my god, the innocent boy that I knew as a child is dead. And uh, that's what I've read. Uh, the old man meets with none other than the Joker. And we go to Joker's World of Tomorrow. And it's absolutely terrifying. Joker is really scary um in this uh episode or not episode but in this movie he's like scarier in this than he is and there's a lot of blood in this episode or in this movie as well um but the old man pays joker to kill batman and he like puts his hands on joker's like you're you're in this as much as i am and and joker fucking sees red and he just yells it's like get your fucking hands off me and then he goes back to his jokey ways but you saw joker's like fucking anger there for a second and they wanted to make joker more menacing in this um so they left out harley quinn even though she had already been created um but they wanted him to seem more menacing and to be more of a threat on his own so they left her out of this on like purposely um the next day batman and terry or then yeah the next day batman interrogates andrea uh but it doesn't go so well she's not like cool with batman uh but she does imply that she knows who batman is uh, Bat or Fan- the Phantasm finally goes after Salvatore in his home, the old guy, but he is dead. He's a camera, and Joker has talked to him. Joker taunts her, and she's like, "I thought you were." He's like, "I thought you were going to be the bat, but all right, whatever." And he tries to blow her up, but he doesn't work. Um, the Phantasm is chased away by Batman, and then when he loses, uh, Batman, the Phantasm is chased around by the cops and is almost caught. He's super fucked up. He like gets shot and all sorts of shit, and he just manages to like he even gets like demasked. Like he's about to get like exposed, but Andrea comes out of nowhere with a sweet fucking car and saves him. Uh, back at the house, Alfred patches him up. Andrea fills Bruce in on what happened that night when her father died, and she obviously was just murdered by the the gangsters and by a very specific man that that they can't quite put their finger on but he's familiar um but she tries she's blames her dad she's like my dad is the phantasm and they kiss and uh andrea leaves and bruce is confused why uh, she's leaving he doesn't understand why she has to go uh then inside he finds that picture that he found at the third victim's house and he's looking at the guy that he just can't put his finger on the murderer the murderer who killed her father and he he feels like he recognizes the face and he starts drawing on it with a red pencil and he draws a mouth over it and oh my god it's the joker the joker was one of the gangsters um the joker visits the councilman at his uh office he tells the councilman about the phantasm and that none of the stuff has been the batman uh because the councilman's been railing against the batman joker uh really freaked me out as a as a kid in this and uh joker um he's like he fucks with this guy because he this is like one of the guys who can like finger him uh you know it like can like point the finger at him and he just does not want that and he fucking joker toxins the guy and he starts creepy laughing and then batman at the insane asylum comes in and interrogates him while he's laughing and it's super terrifying um, but when Joker 
right before he starts laughing and when Joker's laugh turns into um, the creepy Joker talks and laugh, it's absolutely fucking terrifying. Now ain't that a co-winky-dink? We're talking about the old man and the spawn of his loins just happens to call. Makes you want to laugh, doesn't it, Arthur? <laughs> but Batman uh, interrogates him and bat he tells everything he tells Batman everything about the the gangsters and Batman checks out Andrea's apartment looking for her but Joker left a bomb and it, he calls he taunts Batman and it fucking explodes but he manages to get out uh the phantasm uh gets ready uh to go and confront um who go and confront to Joker and it's revealed that it's Andrea Andrea is the he um is the phantasm she's been murdering all these uh gangsters because we get a flashback right here to her father's murder uh after that the phantasm uh confronts joker she takes her mask off and they start fighting and uh joker beats the shit out of her and he nearly kills her by sucking her into a giant fan but batman saves her by throwing his bat cycle into the fan blowing it up and saving her and he confronts Andrea. She's like, he's like, you can't do this. This isn't the way. And she's like, who the fuck are you to tell me, you know, not to fucking take out revenge? They took everything, Bruce. My dad, my life, you. I'm not saying it's right or, or even sane, but it's all I've got left. So either help me or get out of the way. You know I can't do that. Look what they did to us. What we could have had. They had to pay. But Andy, what will vengeance solve? If anyone knows the answer to that, Bruce, it's you. And that's a fair point. Batman chases Joker. They fight in min in a mini Gotham City. It's really funny. And uh, it's another set piece that was they really wanted to do. They wanted to have Joker fighting him. Him and Joker fighting in a in a small town. They thought that that was really funny and really good. And it is funny. It is good. Uh, but Joker sets a bomb and tries to jetpack away in a funny old timey jetpack, but he's stopped by the Batman who just basically jumps on him and yanks them both down and they're both fucked up. Joker's missing a tooth at this point and everyone's just fucking bloody. Um, and so it's really brutal. Uh, and then the bomb goes off and Andrea disappears with the Joker. She's like, I'm sorry. Uh, I, uh, goodbye. My, like she literally, she, she literally goes, goodbye my love and it's really dramatic but really cool and she takes off and she disappears and i think she takes the joker with him but she doesn't kill him obviously uh back at the um bat cave bruce is obviously distraught over what just happened and alfred comforts him by telling him that there is nothing that he could have done i couldn't save her alfred i don't think she wanted to be saved sir vengeance blackens the soul bruce I always feared you would become that which you fought against. You walk the edge of that abyss every night. But you haven't fallen in, and I thank heaven for that. But Andrea fell into that pit years ago. And no one, not even you, could have pulled her back. 
Um, but of course, uh, that's not the way things play out in life. And it's revealed that she got away and is on a, a uh, cruise and some guy hits on her. He's like, there's no reason being alone. And she's like, I'll always be alone. And she's really sad. And then we see him uh, out on patrol looking really sad as well. And that's how it ends. It's a little bit of a depressing ending, but it is a fantastic, fantastic movie. And I absolutely recommend you all take a watch of it. That will do it for freaking sweet cartoons. We managed to get a cartoon and a and an animated movie in there uh, for you. Um, this has been so so much fun. I loved uh, doing uh, the Johnny Bravo one because I just love cartoons, and this was a was one that I really wanted to get in there because boy, this is such a such a good movie. Um, you, you honestly, you honestly will like, when you look at the reviews and when you look at what people have said about it, they said that this was the, one of the best Batman things that there was until the killing joke came out, which I told you about earlier in the interstitial. Um, but thank you guys, uh, for, for listening. I really appreciate it. Thank you guys for listening to the movie episode last week. I hope you enjoyed it. And thank you guys for listening to this week. And also, uh, pre-thank you for listening to the episode that comes out on February 24th, which is our very first freaking sweet anniversary. It is a character deep dive into Peter Griffin. It is so much fun. There's so many jokes, so many laughs. Please tune in for that. It's going to be a lot, a lot of fun. Uh, that'll do it for us here. My name has been Ian. You can send us an email at frickinsweetfamilypod at gmail.com or you can go to anchor.fm slash sweet to check out our entire backlog of episodes that includes special episodes, deep dives into the origins of Family Guy, uh, Stewie Griffin, The Untold Story, Star Wars, so many things, crossover episodes, so, so much content. A year's, <laughs> a frickin' sweet year's worth of content going all the way back from the first episode of Family Guy to the last episode of the third season of Family Guy. And a couple of movies, a couple of cartoons, some shows, and a video game thrown in there. And thank you guys for listening. Um, this has been so much fun. Also on that page at anchor.fm slash freaking sweet, you can also send us a voicemail, uh, and we'll play it right here on the show. And you'll get to hear yourself, and that's pretty cool. Um, we also got a shout out on another show, The Scathing Atheist, um, where they do a Farnsworth quote from Futurama, uh, something along the lines of, we uh, did in fact evolve from Filthy Monkey Men that used ours from that show, and that was a lot of fun. Um, thank you guys for listening again, and we will see you next week. We'll also see you on the 24th, our anniversary. See you then. down honest but but it just doesn't hurt so bad anymore you can understand that can't you look i can give money to the city they can hire more cops let someone else take the risk but it's different now
please. I need it to be different now. I know I made a promise, but I didn't see this coming. I didn't count on being happy. 